The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And so today's show is an interactive discussion. And if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to share your thoughts and comments. So today's show, titled Finding Our Way, you know, those of us in recovery know that even the best of intentions is often not enough. When it comes to repairing the wreckage of our past, we have to combine right intention with guidance and wise action in order to get real results. But just how do we go about doing that? We've turned over a new leaf, but now how do we make things right? Today, we're going to share how Spirit has helped us find our way through and can help you find your way, too. And we'll begin by sharing our own experiences of the need to clean up our side of the street by making things right with others, and then move into the solution of taking wise action to let go of old burdens. Then after the break, we'll share exactly how we used wisdom and release to clean up the wreckage of our past. So that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm clean and sober. Isn't that enough? You know, can't, can't you see that I've changed? You know, I, I, I hear this all the time. I've been here three weeks. <laughs> Why don't they trust me yet? Yeah. Isn't that the basis of that two-stepping? You know, we have that phrase, two-stepping. I go from step one to step 12, Right. I, uh-huh. I, I realize I'm powerless. I go to meetings for a few weeks, and all of a sudden, I'm done. There's more to it than that, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I know that so many of us, when we first come in, we, we are on this pink cloud because our life, our emotions, our spirits, our physical uh, circumstances have been in the basement. You know, they, they've been in the bottom of the bucket. And... Just taking the poison out of our system, whatever it was, um, relieves some of that, and we start to feel better, and we we have hope that this time there might be something different, and we see other people doing the same things that 
that uh, they say will get them into a newer place in their life. And we get on this pink cloud and we think that everything's fine. Everything's going to be forgiven. Everything's going to be forgotten. And I can just get on with my life. And that we're done in a sense. I, yeah. I think that pink cloud is God lend me, lends me, God lends me some sobriety for a while so that I can try it on for size and see if I really want it. Because when the work begins, that, that experience of that pink cloud, that kind of, um, you know, it feels like that free sobriety at the beginning. Uh, I know that that helped me a lot to keep going because I, I knew how it could be. And I wanted my life to be like that. And I knew that because um, of the community that that's kind of how it went and that, that the, you know, I would have to do the work and whatnot. But yeah, that pink cloud at the beginning that if, if you don't, I know that if I didn't have some wise counsel, you know, that, that could have tripped me up right there on its own. Yeah, because we think we're done. Yeah. So for me, you know, what, what happened was when the, when the pink cloud wore off, I was left with this, this uh, sense of impending doom and this <laughs> sense of, of fear and guilt. And, you know, in previous shows, we've talked about, you know, getting to a point where we're ready to do something about that, which is really what this show is about today. And so I, I, I'm clean and sober and I'm starting to turn my life around. But what do I do about this bag of, of baggage that I'm carrying around behind me? All these broken relationships and bad decisions and, and poor choices. You know, how do I fix that? Yeah, that's kind of a, a hard question, especially when we're new, right? Because the awareness of that stuff might come in. Uh, a good bit before we're to the point where we're ready to undertake those things. I know that uh, for me, I feel like uh, just avoiding all that uh, probably kept me out there for a while, you know, n knowing that uh, there was going to have to be some cleanup to be done, I think is one thing that left me hanging on um, to the bitter end. And so it is, it's hard to walk through that time. I, I feel like we're we're describing a period of time after I become aware of what's going on, or at least more aware of what's going on and what needs to happen. But before I have the, um, you know, the, I suppose the skills and a little bit of experience under my belt in order to, to undertake doing something about it. And, you know, in previous uh, parts of the process, um, I have become aware, as you mentioned, and the awareness included some of my bad behavior, but it did not necessarily include some of the deeper um, aspects of my character that fed into that bad behavior. Perhaps some belief systems or perhaps some old ideas that I was holding on to, perhaps some things um, that I was enculturated with because of the family and or part of the country that I grew up in. Um, you know, even... I mean, even something as simple as running a traffic light, you know, well, if you're drunk and you get caught, that's a problem. But if you're not or you don't get caught, it's not. That's one way of thinking around that. But yet, you know, the bigger question is, why do I feel like I am above the law? Why do I feel like I am, am um, you know, don't have to follow the same rules the rest of society does? And those were the questions I had to get down to in this, in this piece of the process. Yeah, fortunately, we both have to, and we get to begin at the beginning, right? Uh, I, I know I got to begin with the simpler, more obvious things. And then what I'm hearing you uh, point at is sort of, you know, after we begin to dig deeper, uh, we can start to un uncover the 
the you know the trends the beliefs the the things that are motivating the little stuff that at least for me came to my attention came to my attention first so fortunately in a way just like the pink cloud thing uh you know we, we i've heard people say a lot uh that something like along the lines of you know god never gives you anything that you can't handle and um, that's not uh, a way that I look at it exactly, but I, I do see the truth in that because, uh, it seems like um, on my sobriety path, it was, uh, metered out. The, the early things that I could deal with are the things I became aware of. And then I dealt with, and that sort of allowed me to move to the next phase, if you will. And of course the work is ongoing. You know, it's never over, I think. But we we do get to begin at the beginning, and I'm grateful for that. Well, and I think the key key thought here is me learning to take responsibility, both for my past and every single step that it took for me to get where I am today and for my current decisions. And uh, along that way, hopefully, I am able to figure out how not to repeat some of those mistakes that I made previously. And so part of my self-awareness in, in the previous parts of this process was to understand what are my patterns? How do I keep setting myself up? Um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, I do only become aware of what I can understand at that level of development. And And so it is an ongoing work. It does unpeel like the onion a layer at a time so how do i make it right if i know that i've hurt somebody how do i fix a hurt heart you know if i've been uh involved in theft or something like that that's a pretty easy amend to make you know Mm -hmm. you pay it you pay it back but if if you've damaged relationships damaged somebody's uh sense of safety or their sense of uh, emotional stability or whatever how do you fix that I think that is a great question. And again, my mind uh, always comes back to uh, gratitude for sponsorship because, (laughs) you know, and and community. I talk a lot about sponsorship and community because those are the two big pieces, you know, uh, in addition to, of course, to my willingness to suit up and show up, to come to a meeting, to engage in the process. Um, Sponsorship in the community, that that was kind of the backdrop that uh, helped me understand what was going on and helped helped me to understand, well, so what am I, what do I do now? You know, what, what, what's on my plate this week? What should I be looking at or thinking about? What do I not need to worry about until later? I know that for me, the, the list of amends that I needed to make grew over time along with my clarity of mind. And maybe that's part of uh, what we were sharing a few minutes ago where, you know, the the obvious things, the ones that come up at first, yes, those are important and then start to uh, work through some of those and more stuff comes up and more stuff, you know, we dig deeper and we get deeper kinds of issues. But fortunately, uh, when I follow directions, which in this case are get you know go to meetings get a sponsor and work the steps when i follow those directions um i have some guidance through that and it's okay it's all right if it unfolds over time it's all right if i think oh i thought i was done and oh boy i'm not done yet that's all okay because i i have guidance and a community and willingness and i know that everything's going to be all right you know one of my experiences um well in developing this how do i make a list you know um I think at some level I knew who I needed to make amends to, but at another level, 
things kept surfacing. I would wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, my God, I forgot about that. You know, and I was told, write it down. Just write it down. And so many things would would roll around in my mind and keep me awake at night. And, you know, I, and I would worry about how, how am I ever going to deal with this situation, whatever the situation was. And I was just told, write it down. Because, you know, I want... My the, my nature is I want to know all the answers from A to Z. I want to see what the path is. I want to know what the next step is. And I want to know what all the options are so that I can be prepared if it doesn't go the way I think it ought to go. And so that's not how this, this piece works. This is not how this step works. You know, I told, just write it down. That's the first thing. Write it down. Yeah, and that's that's right in line with that spiritual principle of awareness, right? We can't, nothing will become healed until I become aware of it. Or if I'm having a, a you know difficult emotional experiences, uh, nothing's going to heal until I'm I'm willing to engage those very same things. You know, everything comes out the same way it went in, right? Through my consciousness, and so um, I I need to be able to and willing to. Uh, face and do the things that need doing in order to get through them. And there were there were things, you know, this is al- almost a silly thing to say. I didn't really want to look at this stuff. I'm not thinking, isn't, isn't there, can I make amends for something that isn't embarrassing, you know, or mortal, embarrassing at least and mortifying uh, might be more like it for some of it. But of course, if, if it weren't so, then it, then it wouldn't be on my list. And a lot of the things that came up for me were relatively minor on the outside. You know, if you're looking at it from the outside, you might think, well, you know, so what? It's, it's a little tiny thing, but they were big inside. And that's, you know, that's what mattered is not, not what does it look like to a, an outside observer, but what is my experience of it? And so, yeah, there was a lot of, lot of weight I was carrying around. You know, and I think you make a great point about that because one of the things that drug and, drugs and alcohol does is it puts our conscience to sleep. And so, you know, this is part of the awakening. Things we already knew, right and wrong, you know, that to, to become aware of and to decide to do, a, do something different. So now that we know about the challenge of needing to make things right with other people, what's the solution? In unity, we affirm we have the power to make sound choices and to let things go. In fact, the ability to choose wisely and to let go are two of unity's 12 powers. Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore defied defined 12 skills or attributes that all people have, and he called these attributes, quote, the 12 powers. Each of them can function as a spiritual tool that we can use to change our lives for the better. So the powers that can help us with the need to make things right with others are wisdom and release. And so that's what we want to focus on today. And so, Dan, exactly what are the powers of wisdom and release? Uh, what I always remember when we talk about wisdom, which, you know, sort of officially the, the ability to evaluate things, to discern things, to uh, make decisions, you know, to apply what it is that we know. Um, sometimes it's simply, for me, having enough sense to ask someone else. And again, early on, you know, e- e- even though I need a certain amount of wisdom in order to approach the process of making things right with others, 
fortunately, um, I don't have to have all of the wisdom. And, and sometimes the most, the wisest thing I could muster at the time was, well, maybe I should ask somebody else, you know, before I go gallivanting off, uh, and doing this or doing that, maybe I should run this by somebody. And in, in fact, that's what I did do. And, you know, sometimes, uh, when I ran it by a, a trusted counsel, uh, it sort of was what I thought it was. And other times, uh, I got some input that would, no, I, I don't think you want to be doing that just now, which I did not understand, but fortunately I came to understand. So wisdom, you know, my ability, our ability as human beings to discern and evaluate, um, can show up in different ways, but that's what, when we talk about unity's 12 powers and the power of wisdom, you know, that's what it is, how, how to, how to sort of figure out and decide what to do, how to apply what we know and evaluate. You know, for me, before I can ever get to wisdom, I have to use that other power, that power of release. You know, um, like many people, I don't like change. And when <laughs> I was first new in the program, that was absolutely, I wanted, I wanted my life to be different, but I didn't want to change. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't even really want to give up my addictions, but I wanted my life to change. And so I didn't have to like it, but I had to be willing to do it. But I had to, to get to this wisdom part. I had to follow directions, which for me is releasing the idea that I already know the answer. I have to release the, the concept that um, it's already figured out and, and that I'm the one in charge of that. It's... Um, for me, this process is about this this whole awareness thing um, that there are other ways of being in the world, that there are other ideas that work, there are other ways of looking at a problem or a situation, and I don't have all the answers. And so if I can release my old ideas as I'm releasing old behaviors, it's as if I have like a new pair of glasses that I look at the world through. They're, they're still colored by my experiences, but all of a sudden I see more, it's like somebody turned the light on and I see more options. I see more um, possibilities. I, I agree with that. And, and I don't know that I've quite thought of it that way, but it's absolutely true that really in order to make any kind of change, there's something that I need to let go of, something, even if it's a subtle thing or I don't even realize that I've let it go. It could be as simple as, you know, letting go of the stubbornness that never allowed me to ask someone else for help in the past. I got to let go of that before I can go to my sponsor for that uh, wisdom that I'm, I'm not quite sure if I'm seeing it right. And that act, that fits really well for me because I know that spiritual growth often, or one way to look at it is it, it's, it's a subtractive thing. It's a process of letting go. It's not so much about adding or learning as much as releasing and so it, it makes perfect sense that even in the very beginning of our sobriety or when we're, and when we're approaching, maybe in that first year at some point, um, the part where we're, we're going to make things right with others, that uh, we have that ability. You know, and I remember when I left home at 17, I was determined to nail the door on my past and never look back. That's not the same thing as the kind of release that you're talking about. You know, I, I um, was determined that that part of my life was not going to interfere with my future life. And so I didn't have to think about it anymore. And as we know, and I learned, I w wouldn't say soon learned, but as I learned eventually, um, what I don't deal with comes up and 
creates havoc. And I, what I say is it comes out sideways. You know, I, I squish the lid on it. I slam the door shut. I nail it shut and it comes out through the cracks, you know, and it, and it still contaminates my life today if I don't deal with those things. And so the awareness of what do I need to release, where am I stuck, what am I refusing to look at, and then the willingness to go there, I think were two key components for me to, to, um, to get engaged in my recovery. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about um, unity's definition of the power of release as the ability to remove, denounce, deny, and let go. And I know that I have to be careful uh, with that word deny because it, you know, I, I can hear it as kind of that head in the sand type of denial, uh, denying that it's important, denying that I need to look at it. But that's not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about the kind of transcend and include uh, style of deny as in move on, move through, let go of the idea that it has power over me, the embrace and let go sense of denial and that's how we use it in unity and yeah it took some doing um for me to develop the some skills because letting go is not was not my approach to life up to that point i think that was a primary driver for my uh, particular addiction is that uh, you know i was not looking to let go of things in order to feel better i was looking to add things in order to feel better you know i i have a a long running habit of reaching out for something, you know, it, it could be today, it could be uh, sugar and stuff like that, or soda. Um, it could be cigarettes for much of my life up to fairly recently, certainly alcohol. You know, if I don't, if I'm uncomfortable, I tend to want to add something into the mix when I uh, have come to learn that that's sort of the opposite of, of what we do. We need to let go of something. You know, and you point out a really uh, interesting paradox that so much of the way that spiritual principles work is um, in a, it, it opposite of what we would call common sense. You know, and, and I found that to be true for me when, when I was working on these processes of making amends. Um, I, I was gung-ho, let's go, let's get it done. You know, let's rush right on through it. Let's use the power of strength. Let's use perseverance. You know, let's use the power of order. First, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then, and then we're going to, you know, do this. And that's not the way that spiritual processes unfold. Yeah, a, a lot of spiritual growth does feel sort of um, backwards in a way. And again, that, you know, my example of, uh, oh, I, I, I don't like what's going on. I'm going to add something to the mix in order to, quote, fix it, uh, is the total opposite. And like you're saying, the uh, idea that says, well, if I have this goal and I want to accomplish this goal, I better get up early in the morning and get on it. You know, let me make all let me make all my amends before lunchtime so I can get it over with and then I can move on. Um, but as I learned from working with my sponsor, that that is not how it works and that there is a there is a very natural process of unfolding that uh, is true in spiritual growth as as it is in all of life, as it is with making amends. And so uh, I need to let it unfold and to, to do what's right in each moment, which sometimes is, you know, let, let's put this back down at the bottom of the list and then we'll circle back to it later. And, you know, I was also told with some of that wise counsel through my sponsors and others that there are certain guidelines for making amends um, and they have to do with first do no harm. You know, I, I am not 
to go and relieve my own guilty conscience about something when it can damage somebody else um, or their relationships or their lifestyle or whatever that, you know, so I had to, I had to learn some things around going about making amends. It's not just an, I'm sorry. And that was another thing that I, I thought that if I had said, I'm sorry to all my family members that I'm done, you know, I'm finished. And, and that was not, um, that was not the case. You know, there's there's this thing called living amends that I was told I needed to start doing today the right thing. What am I supposed to be doing in these right. relationships? I've heard it described as um, at least let me stop throwing wood on the fire. You know, uh-huh. the, the fire is going to burn uh, based on what I've put in it up to this point. But maybe I could stop putting more wood in the fire. That kind of living amends. Let me let me change now what I'm doing. Um, so that over time, this situation can unfold and unravel and, and right itself. But it's not going to right itself just immediately when I begin um, changing my behavior and not, not doing things to a- add fuel to the fire. Uh, one thing I always think about with wisdom is, uh, is sometimes we call it judgment, right? But that word judgment, I prefer not to use it ever. Uh, because it has two very distinct senses, and I think it's really important to distinguish between judgment as in condemnation, right, and judgment as in discernment. And what we, when we talk about wisdom or use the word judgment, we're talking about discernment, uh, discerning what is the right path to take, what is the next right thing to do. You know, I come to a fork in the road. Should I go right or should I go left? Discerning the path forward um, is a is a is a big part of what we're talking about when we talk about wisdom. It's not, um, you know, being smart enough to know who's really to blame in a situation, which is just a form of condemnation, you know, covered up, putting on the clothing of wisdom. That's not what it is, though. That's a good, really good point about that, because I think we've come into the program all full of condemnation for ourselves and others, because as we know, in spiritual growth, others are a reflection of ourselves. And if you spot it, you got it. That's what I was told. And I was really good at spotting it in everybody else, you know. And so, um, you know, we've gained some spiritual tools by the time we reach this point in the process. And one of those is prayer and meditation. And, you know, we've, we've acquired a higher power. We have learned to have some kind of a conscious contact and to hopefully listen for some guidance. And I think those are critical pieces in, uh, in this, this wisdom, um, seeking the wisdom, because I know for me, all by my intellectual self, I come to different conclusions than when I spend time with prayer and meditation. Yes, um, that helps me. For example, with release, I, I know that I need to, I need to let go of the need to hold on to the thing, and I need to let go of the thing. It's like in layers. First, I've got the need to hold it, got to let go of that. Then I can finally let go of the thing itself. So let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll open the phone lines for callers and we'll continue our conversation. That number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice, Rev. Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week, you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. 
We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So just prior to the break, we were discussing this this process of how we make things right after the mess we made of our lives with our with our addictions and our addictive behaviors and all. And in doing so, we find that the spiritual tools of wisdom and release come into play. So Dan, since we know that the challenge is we have to make things right to get rid of our guilt and our fear and all of that, the solution is wisdom and release. How exactly can we use this? wisdom and release to create a new freedom in our lives. Well, my first, the first thought that comes to mind, and again, I know I talk about this a lot, is I have no idea. Let me go ask someone who knows. And that would be my sponsor. And that's what I did at first. You know, that's how I learned, you know, how does this work? What should I do? Um, you know, what can I say? Do I need to kind of, if I'm feeling really nervous or, or uptight about something, um, I can almost role play, you know, with somebody so that I can, you know, f- feel okay uh, going into the situation. And so the first way I use wisdom is I have enough wisdom to ask someone with more wisdom than me, uh, you know, w- which of these things uh, should I be looking at first? And do you think it's now is an okay time to talk to this person about that or that person about this? So that's my my first, my go-to response. And, and that's a change for me to be willing to um, engage someone else and say, you know what, I re- I'm really not sure what to do because I like to be the one who knows how things work and, and who knows what to do. But sometimes uh, I have found that that's, that's not my best step forward, you know, not my best way forward. I too have to rely on um, guidance of some type. And at the this process, uh, this stage in my process, it was also a sponsor and a counselor, and other people. Um, you know, because I would have different situations that I would hear people in the community talk about. You know, they were on their third relationship. Well, I've been there. You know, how do you, how do you make amends for those? How do you, you know? And I, and I had kind of covered the the territory with the same blanket. You know, if it was a broken relationship, I thought the same type of amend worked for all those relationships. And I found that there were nuances that which having somebody put the brakes on was really a good thing, because in one case, I needed to go directly to somebody and and uh, make an amend. And in another case, I needed to shut the door, lock it and never open it again. And that was confusing to me, but I didn't understand the nuances of why and how. Um, so I had to release this this concept, this idea of myself as being smart enough to read the book and figure it out. Yeah. Another thing, uh, as you share that, that comes to mind is that I I had to release my reluctance to engage. You know, a a lot of times this this stuff has, even though it sounds like one thing, like, oh, I'm going to go make an amends. It, it, for me, it has layers. You know, I have to, I have to release my, my fear of, um, engaging the situation. I have to release my reluctance to act you know, I have to release my tendency to uh, put things off, or um, I have to release this desire that I especially used to often have that, you know, I need to know how all this is going to go before I'm comfortable beginning. 
uh, I had a lot of things to to release so that I could get to the point where I could you know, engage the issue, whatever it was. And then, you know, finally, it's almost like the last step is, wow, I finally get to drop this rock. You know, I get to release, um, my, my guilt over this situation, but it took a lot of releasing along the way for me. Well, I think that that's true for me as well. Um, you know, and, and that fear, uh, one of the fears that I had to release or work through, I'm not even sure I could release it at that point was the fear of feeling because my behavior many times was based on emotion. It was not based on logic and it was not based on um, anything that I knew. It was a reaction based on emotion. And to go back into that situation where I, I had felt this emotion that I didn't want to feel, which of course is what I was anesthetizing, mm -hmm. to walk back into that emotion again, but this time clean and sober, clear-eyed, and not know how it was going to affect me. Uh, if I was going to have to feel all of that all over again, that was a fear that I had to work through. I had to yeah. be willing. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, for, for me, as you share that, I'm thinking, if I didn't know what to do with this the first time I was sitting in that mud puddle, how am I going to know what to do with it this time? Do I really want to go back there? Uh, no, I don't want to go back there because it, it was intimidating and, and uh, painful the first time. What, what makes me think it's going to be any different this time? You know, that... that um, that kind of fear and, uh, and avoidance is so strong that for me, it really, it really took a lot of, um, a lot of work, I guess it took some time, took some sober time. It took, uh, again, the community, it took uh, sponsorship for, for me to, um, be willing to revisit, um, some of those things that obviously, uh, the first time around, I, I didn't, know what to do. But fortunately, and, and this was one of the early things that helped me a lot with this whole process is it's not a race, right? This is not a race to get all this done. There's no rush. Um, it's okay if I wait on some things, you know, don't want to keep putting it off. Um, but I don't have to do everything right away. Um, I can start with the things that are easier. Uh, if things are particularly difficult, I can spend some time and talk about those things with someone that I trust. You know, there's no need to rush ahead. In fact, that's, that's part of wisdom is not, uh, just rushing headlong into a situation, but rather, um, being willing, having the skills to, and the ability to use the skills to step back and say, okay, let, you know, let me kind of get a little bit of what's going on here before I start diving in. Now, of course, balance is everything. And so you can't stay in that. It's just another way of getting stuck in, you know, analysis paralysis. But, um, the fact that it's not a race, that I don't have to do it all at once and I don't have to do it alone. Um, those were things that really helped me a great deal. You know, and I think that my sponsor started me off with living amends when I look back at that. And, and what, what are living amends? She explained it very simply to me. She said, you have family members that you don't send birthday cards to? Start sending birthday cards to them. She said, you have parents that you don't call once a week? Start calling them once a week. You know, start acting in a way that people can believe that my life is changing. And so, you know, the things that I know to be right or good, what makes me a good daughter, you know, start doing those things. Um, and that helped because I had a little bit of practice of 
in some ways it's kind of a stealth thing because now birthday cards are showing up. Nobody asks why, and I didn't have to explain it, you know, <laughs> but I started getting to practice doing the right thing, not just the next right thing, but doing the right thing, doing the right thing in my relationships and with my family and with my coworkers and with, with other people, other, other acquaintances and such. You meet somebody, you say hi to them, you know, you answer the phone instead of letting it ring. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that I can start doing to make living amends, when I when I when my conscience starts um, awakening because there's no drugs and alcohol on top of it, I know what's right and wrong. I know what I've been taught to do to be a decent human. Start doing it. Yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, when I think of living amends, I hadn't thought about it as that um, sort of you know undertaking um, right action if you will, just sort of, you know, being a healthy person in the world and having healthy interactions with other people. And I, I absolutely see that that is, you know, that's how we want, that's what we want to move toward. That's how we want to live. And in a sense, it's, I think of it partly as developing new habits, but I also see what you're saying about it. We're making amends just to ourselves and to the world by, um, you know, thinking about what is the next right thing to do, not not the next thing I feel like doing, which may or may not be the same, but what is the next right thing to do? What 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 is the right way to respond in this situation, like your example of sending birthday cards? My my main understanding of living amends was that um, that that's what you do when you would create damage if you were to re-engage in a situation. That, well, you know, if you can't, if you can't, um, if you're in a situation where, as the book says, when to do so would injure them or others, uh, and and you can't directly approach it, then uh, a living amends by changing the behavior that led to the situation in the first part, in the first place. That's the main way that I'd heard about living amends. But I like what you're saying about um, just de- developing healthier ways of engaging the world, and I can definitely see that those as living amends as well. Well, that's where she started me. And then the next piece moved into what you were just talking about, which is uh, for the way I understand it is if I'm uh, if I habitually try to manipulate people or, or guilt them into doing things for me, can I learn to just ask for what I want instead of trying to push people into a corner emotionally until they give me what I want? You know, and that's a deeper layer. Um, I have to learn how to show up differently in the world, and this might be a pattern with me, and so what do I do? Well, when I feel like, oh, I think I'll call my mom and see if if uh, I can make her feel sorry for me so she'll send me some money. Well, no, don't do that. Why don't you just call her and say, <laughs> hey, can you send me a check? Yeah, be, be direct about it. I like that. Uh, because uh, I have some of that, those same patterns of thinking, and, and what I've learned over time, it's just so much easier. It takes so much less effort. It's so much easier just to you know, be willing to make my needs known uh, rather than try and uh, go through some circuitous route to getting my needs met. And, and the difference is, I think, uh, for, for me is that you know, there's a lot of fear around uh, things that the longer that I'm on this recovery path, the 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 less that that affects me, and so it's easier to um, be more direct with things because I'm not responding out of a, a fear of how someone else is going to respond. So for me, inevitably, that's what the fear is, the fear of how someone's going to respond. And so I better do it this sort of circuitous way so that 
you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm building in deniability. No, I wasn't asking for that. You know, if I'm afraid of what might happen and, and that's really, that's a big thing that I had to let go of with when we talk about making just direct amends, not living amends, but direct amends is I had to let go of how it was received because I had ideas. I came to learn of how the other person should respond, you know, and it, and it could be like, Yes, that that was an awesome thing I did, and and now it's your turn to tell me how awesome it is that I did that, right? I I had to let go of any sense of of what it is that the other person is going to do because that has nothing to do with it at all, and and that was a release that I found particularly challenging and surprising, you know that that was a subtle kind of thing. It's like oh, I guess I guess I do think I know how they should act. And no, it didn't occur to me that I was carrying that. And it didn't occur to me to look at it, let alone to let go of it. And, you know, that reminds me of this, this whole thing about amends is not about the other person. On one level, yes, we want to make it right. But as you pointed out, it's not about them. It is about I am doing my healing work. I am making it, be- making it better, making it right to the best of my ability and how somebody else responds to that is none of my business, really. I'm, I'm responsible for walking up to the line in the middle of the street and delivering what I have to say and doing what I have to do. But the other person is responsible for meeting me there and I, you know, might get ignored or I might get beaten up or I might get embraced. Who knows? But I'm doing it for me. Yeah, you know, this is reminding me of um, learning somewhere along the way that I'm not, and this is all. This sound, this sounds really counterintuitive. I am not trying to fix this situation, right? I'm trying to acknowledge it openly, and instead of trying to figure out ahead of time, well, I did this, and then I feel really bad, and that person's probably really mad at me, and so here's what I'm going to do uh, in order to make it right. Well, what I'm going to do is acknowledge what happened and, and ask them, what can I do to make this right? Or is there something I can do to make this right? Because you know, my first mistake might be that they even remember what I'm talking about. They might not even remember what I did. It's me that's carrying the problem around. Uh, Not only do they not remember it, there's no way that I can reach into their experience, understand the impact, create a solution. You know, you you can feel I'm I'm way out of my hula hoop when I'm trying to manipulate someone else's insides by figuring out what I got to do to fix it. All, All I have to do is honestly acknowledge it. Uh, and then ask, perhaps, is there something I can do to make this right? And there may be and there may not be. But that's not up to me. What's up to me is to ask. And that is the other piece of this, this release, is being willing to listen. And I call it release because many of us don't listen very well. We're, I think there's like four levels of listening or something. And one of them, the first one is listening to be able to respond. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but, yeah, but you know, um, no, that's not how it was. Oh, you know, I didn't know you, whatever. And so a big piece of the healing for me was being able to sit and listen, to hear somebody else's pain because of this situation that I had caused them to own my part in it. And then to hear what they thought might make it better, you know, make my, I'm not going to say fix it, but what the amend might be. And 
And that was healing for both of us in more than one situation. Yeah, I've heard that level of listening described as waiting to talk. I'm not listening. I'm just waiting to talk. And this, again, uh, is where uh, my sponsor was so helpful because, you know, my sponsor with um, much more time on the path than me could see uh, if I was concocting a solution to fix the problem and getting outside my hula hoop uh, in a sense and say, you know, maybe not now is not the time to do that. Um, because I wasn't ready to let go of the need to fix it. There's another application of the power of release. Can I let go of the idea that I got to go in and fix this thing and accept that I, I can only do my part? You know, we, we have that saying to, to clean our side of the street, which I have found super powerful from the beginning, um, because I can only take care of what is going on within me. Um, I can show up and, um, act in integrity and with honesty, uh, with someone else. But you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where it needs to end. I got to let go of, uh, expectations of, of outcome. And if I'm, if I'm quote, listening to somebody when I'm trying to make amends and all I'm doing is waiting to talk, then I, I'm not, this, this, the timing is wrong. I am not ready for that. Because becoming fully present to that other person is also part of the healing. And that's when we truly listen, I believe, what what happens. And so some of the other wisdom that I was given was that you're talking about timing. When, when I realize almost immediately that I've done something to hurt somebody, I may not necessarily need to go make amends that moment in time. Because when somebody else is hurting they may or may not be receptive, may or may not be willing to hear. And at that point, all I'm doing is trying to get rid of my own guilt. That, Oops, I stepped on your toes. Here, if I make amends, then I'm, then I'm all better. You know? and, and so there's, for me, a large element of what I will call the power of love in, in this um, process as well as coming in to, to support wisdom. And that is that I have to do no harm to the other person while I am doing my healing process around this. I have to make sure that they are in a place to be receptive. I don't just get to knock on their door and walk up and say, hey, guess what? I'm here to make amends. You know, I was told to to send them a letter or write them a note or make a phone call and leave a voicemail that says I'm working on this part of my recovery process. I would like to have a conversation about this with you. Is there a date and a time that it would be um, convenient for you to meet with me? Which also heightened the fear factor for me because now I had a date and time and I had to, oh my God, it's only two days away. Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, part of the, part of the waiting is in, in the discernment process for me was, was spiritual development time. I had to spend time in prayer. I was terrified not to. I had to spend time in meditation. I didn't have any answers. And so, you know, being given those kind of guidelines and and being willing to follow them set the process up in a way that I could actually accomplish it. Man, this is this is just really reminding me of of that 
deceptively simple phrase, except when to do so would injure them or others. That's a big except. And, and it sounds so simple um, to just hear it read or to read it. But man, I, I, I feel like I've spent a lot of time in there because that, that can be very tricky because he's one way. Number one, um, it could be an, an excuse not to do something that I should do that it's ready to do. Right. Well, I, I, this might be one of those things where it would injure them or others, so I better leave it alone. This is where I need a sponsor to say, mm, no, I don't think so. I think that this is something that you can do, and now would be a good time to do it. Um, there are those, uh, although those I call them, quote, not going there, amends, where it is good and right to leave it alone, where any attempt to um, go back to the situation is very likely going to create some kind of injury or harm. The very best thing I can do, and again, uh, we talked about it a little bit ago, is that that living amends just don't act like that anymore. That's the very best thing I can do. That 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 concept I've I've heard it described as, um, you know, if if I if I want the fire to to die down, maybe I should stop putting wood on it. You know, maybe that's really the best and only thing that I can do. And, you know, those I found most difficult, those tended to, to, to come much nearer the end of my list. And those are the ones that I absolutely needed um, some assistance with from, from wise counsel, as I like to say, which, of course, is my sponsor. You know, and I can get I can get input from anywhere. I remember I I was struggling with a situation that um, I I had no idea what the wrong was because when when we talk about making amends, you got to know what you did wrong, you know, or what how you showed up wrong or how you caused the harm, the perceived harm that you're trying to make an amend for. And I didn't I I knew that this relationship was not working was was still all tangled up they're still awkward and all of this even though it was a working relationship and and i saw a movie and in this movie the mother of the main character picked up her suitcase stomped to the door set it down turned around and said to him you push me out of your life and then you blame me for not being there and that was like a light bulb moment for me wow because it characterized exactly the scenario that was that was creating all this angst in my life that I was unable to fix with any other way. So what, what's the amend? Stop pushing this person out of my life. You know, it isn't just don't blame them for not being there because they're still not there, but it's stop pushing them out, you know, and that, that revealed to me an area where I was still not being authentic. You know, um, I still wanted support. I still wanted love. I still wanted, uh, you know, engagement, but I was not willing to engage. So I'm going to hold you at an arm's length. And so even a movie can give me a line that goes, bingo, got it. There's my answer. What I love about that is it's reminding me how this is just an ongoing process, right? That, you know, the, the, you didn't know that going to the movie was going to provide the piece that you needed to sort of get what was going on. And, and maybe a bunch of time passes and, you know, we just have to, it's reminding me that I need to be awake, aware, and willing because, you know, this is an ongoing process. There are people I could not find. There are people who don't want to talk to me and, but I'm, I am open and willing if I find them, if they do want to talk to, to engage, it's an ongoing process. 
always. So, so now let's move into action because unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. And that means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do this week to move on from the need to make amends into a, a new sense of freedom in your life using the powers of wisdom and release. So think of a situation that you feel like you need to make right. And it, it could be somebody that you used to know or maybe somebody who's in your life currently. Maybe even somebody that's very close to you or it could even just be an acquaintance. So let's just pick one situation, something simple to start with. Um, take it into a quiet time of prayer and meditation. And let's just simply relax and take it easy. Take a breath. There's no need to struggle. So as an example, let, let's use an acquaintance as an example. So we use a statement of power, what we refer to in unity as a denial, to deny any power to carrying the burden of the past mistakes. And so you'd say something like, things I've done in the past have no power over me now. I am not my mistakes. And you'd repeat it a few times in your head or say it aloud, but say it with conviction. Things I've done in the past have no power over me now. I am not my mistakes. And we follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, I welcome a whole new level of freedom and ease by taking action to let go of the past. And so then here we engage the power of release. We take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. Don't struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Things I've done in the past have no power over me now. I am not my mistakes. I welcome a whole new level of freedom and ease by taking action to let go of the past. And so we've come to the end of our time together today, and we hope you found something that can help you on your recovery path, and we both bless you on your journey. Thank you to listeners and callers, and thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can contact us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg. And I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.